our little mini-series called Traps and Tricks. Traps and Tricks. The enemy is a deceiver. He comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. In 2 Corinthians, the second chapter, and in the 11th verse, we are instructed according to the Word of God not to be ignorant of His devices. If we become ignorant of His devices, then we are at a disadvantage. But we are not ignorant in this place. We are growing in the grace and in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, the next verse we want to look at is John 17. And I want you to open your Bibles to verse 3. John 17 and the third verse. The enemy wants to keep us from knowing God and having the best of life that God has provided for us. He says, I am come that you might have life, enjoy it, have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. Now read this verse with me in verse 3. And this is life eternal. That they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now one of his major traps, and this is the one I want to address today, that Christians fall into, myself and you as well, one of his main traps is busyness. One of his main traps is busyness. Now look at Psalm 46 now. And let's look at verse 10, and we'll couple that with our text today in John 17, 23. This is life eternal, that you may know Him. Psalm 46, verse 10 states this. He says, be still and do what? Be still and know that I'm God. He says, I'm going to be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Well, he says, be still and know that I'm God. Well, the opposite is true. Be busy. Get overloaded. Bog yourself down with the activities of this life to the degree that there's no margin in your life. Then you will forget that he is God. It's easy to do. To become a forgetful hearer. So I want to say this to you today. That busyness is an enemy of intimacy with God. Busyness is an enemy with intimacy with God and with others. Here's the enemy's plan. The enemy's plan is to get you so busy that there's no margin in your life. What do you mean margin? Margin is that space between your load and your limit. People sleep about two and a half hours less now than they did years ago. We're a piled on, stretched to the limit society. We're chronically rushed, chronically late, and chronically exhausted. What is the solution? The solution is to put margin in your life. Margin is breathing room. Margin is just a 
a, a bit of reserve for yourself that you're not using up. Margin, and to be marginless, is the baby crying and the phone ringing at the same time. Margin is having Grammy take care of the baby for the afternoon. To be marginless is not having time to finish the book that you started about how to deal with stress. (laughs) To have margin is being able to read it twice. Marginless is red ink. Margin is black ink. Marginless is hurry. Margin is calm. Marginless is reality. But margin is the remedy. Marginless is the disease of our society, but margin is the cure. We are so wound up. We live under the tyranny of the urgent, of the exciting, bearing the burden of obligation. And we don't, and when we don't do that, oftentimes guilt comes along and steals from us. Therefore, it's not unusual for people to totally look at church, look at God, look at prayer, look at reading their Bible as optional. After all, God understands I'm too busy. Now the question I have today, and I'm not here to condemn you, I'm here to help you. But one question I want to address this morning is, why are we so busy? Busyness stems from the nature of our culture. Here's some reasons why people are busy. Some are busy because they have unresolved emotional needs. They have to stay busy. Otherwise, they feel guilty. They have to stay busy because if they stay busy, they don't have to deal with certain issues. Unresolved emotional needs in their life. Other people are busy because they place the perfectionism syndrome on themselves. They're busy because, you know, I can get it all done in one day. And you know, I'm the only one. Heaven forbid that we ever train someone else to do what only my little sweet perfectionistic self can do. Heaven forbid that we delegate. There's a lot of pastors that are burned out today because they'd never learn to delegate. Others are busy just because they're undisciplined. They live undisciplined lifestyles. I mean, nobody is directing traffic. And sometimes no one's home either. There's just a lot of busyness. There's no rhyme to the reason. But a little bit of time skills and management skills would help a lot of people. And here's what happens. As a result, people fall into the category... Of the big three. And we need to correctly prioritize, rather, the big three. Number one, worship. Number two, work. And number three, play. 
How many of you know, if you're out of balance, life gets distorted? So how do we deal with the trick and the trap of busyness? I tell you, the first thing we need to do is start with prayer. Pray about every major decision. Pray about every opportunity. And opportunities abound all around us. Pray. That's a thought. Pastor, do you think I ought to pray about this and pray about that? Absolutely, I know you should. I think that it would help many people if they just stop worrying and start praying. You know, Paul told the church at Philippi, he says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with a spirit of thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And when you let Him be the pilot of your life, when you let peace either lead you or not direct you, what do you mean by that? Decisions have got to be based on what you know on the inside. Do you have peace about it? Is this something that God is leading you to do? Or is it something that you just want to do? The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God. It doesn't say as many as are led by their head. Nowhere in the Word of God does it say be head led. Or to be reason led. No, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Say it real strong with me. I'm a child of God. Sons of God. Daughters of God. Can expect to be led by the Spirit of God. So open up your heart to Him and let Him come in. And let Him be the umpire in your life. Let the Spirit of the Lord who lives on the inside, let Him call the shots. Let Him determine what's out and what's safe. See, God wants to lead you. And you know something? I've discovered this, that there's a lot of good things that are not necessarily God things. When you're looking to the Lord and trying to sort things out, Ask Him for wisdom. Say, Lord, You know what's best. Years ago, there was a movie called Father's Knows Best. Well, is He not your Father? But good, now, listen very carefully. Good is the enemy of best. Live by God's ideas. Not just good ideas. And when you get the plan of God, you'll find this out. That He will empower them. That he will bless them. And no, it's not that it won't be work. And no, it's not that it won't require effort on your part. But it will be effort that is in priority with his plan. And when it is in priority with his plan, you can always expect his power to see you through. And to take you through. And to cause what he's called you to do to be a success. Oh saints, I want to remind you today, except the Lord builds the house. Except the Lord builds the house. They that labor, labor in vain that build it. 
Except the Lord is in the marriage. Except the Lord is in that business. Except the Lord is in everything we do. We labor in vain. I don't want to come to the end of my life and look at my life and discover that it was in vain. I want to know. And you can know what the Lord is saying to your heart. Amen? So number one, pray. And then secondly, here's how you can sort some of this being over-occupied with busyness out. Number two, establish your priorities. What are your priorities? Is your job over your wife? Does money become God over family? You'll never find on a tombstone this thought. (laughs) He was a hard worker. He worked himself to death. But you know, it's true in a lot of cases. There are people that are literally juggling two, three jobs trying to keep up with the money God. I would rather live on the street with the crate than lose my family. By becoming over-occupied with the deceitfulness of riches and with the things that really rob us of life. I know I'm preaching fairly good now and it's going to get better. But you got to establish your priorities. you got to establish your principles. Once your priorities are set, you know what happens? They make your decisions for you. Ask yourself this, will it take me away from my family? Will it take me away from my God? Will it compromise my integrity? See, the Bible says that the upright shall be guided by integrity. If it falls under the category of things that rob you of your relationship and rob you of your integrity because you've already established your principles and your priorities, the answer is easy. You already know to say no. And when you do that, it's going to grant you both liberty and safety. I'm telling you today, you need to put some space in your schedule. You cannot hope for space in your schedule. You can't pray for space in your schedule. And you sure can't expect somebody else to put space in your schedule. You're going to have to decide. Everyone say, I'm putting space in my schedule. Got to set boundaries for your life. And then number three, there needs to be some planning that goes on. Plan. I don't want to live a life of generalities, generalities. I want to live a life of precision. Look at Proverbs 21, verse 29 in the Amplified Version. Proverbs 21, verse 29. Notice this. In the Amplified, it says it this way. A wicked man puts... On the bold, unfeeling face of guilt. But as for the upright, that's you. As for the upright, he considers, directs, and establishes his way with the confidence of integrity. That's a powerful statement right there. 
And then look back at Proverbs chapter 14, verse 15. Proverbs 14, verse 15. It's really true. That if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. One person said it like this, plan your work and work your plan. I think this, that we really need to have some time left over in our schedule for creative time. Time where we can think. That's a thought. Think. It is what the Bible calls S-E-L-A-H time, Selah time. To think and to pause and calmly meditate on. Some people are so wound up so tight that, you know, they're on this Bible reading schedule that they've got to read 10 chapters a day and they're just going through it like a house on fire and not retaining anything. Better to read one chapter a day and to slow down and to have some sailor thought and let the Lord minister to you. Let Him bring life to you that is in that Word. Creative time. Creative time. Time to dream. Time to envision. Time to ask for insight. Insight. Concepts. Wisdom. Wisdom, saints, is the principal thing. It's the primary thing in our lives. And the scripture says that it is through wisdom that a house is built. Now, how many of you have children? I have discovered that when my two guys grew up, John and James, they were completely different. And I needed wisdom to deal with one. And I needed a bucket load of wisdom to deal with the other. And I'm not going to mention any names. But some of you probably can figure it out. Wisdom will build your house. Wisdom will build your marriage. Do you know that every woman has her own language of love? What do you mean a language of love? I mean things that really minister to them. Things that they really like and they really enjoy. To some women, their language of love is a gift. Or a certificate to Macy's. To other women, believe it or not, it's you. I can remember Bob Oaks and Shelly Oaks sharing this at a marriage thing that we're having in the church. That it just seemed like that when she had on these rubber gloves and was cleaning, he'd get all fired up. So evidently his language of love is her being a plumber or something. I don't know. But you know, Brenda grew up on the farm. And I'm not very mechanical. I'm sorry to say, not really. But I discovered that when I put a little effort in around the home, it gets good, guys. But Brenda's a multiple linguist. She has several languages she enjoys. Not only the chores, but Macy's and Nordstrom and all those things. I don't know how we got off on that, but it's all good. I believe this, that the Lord 
so wants us to have some time with Him. He wants to give you things. You know, think about that scripture. Eyes not seen, their ear heard, neither is it into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. But God has revealed to them, them to us by His Spirit. Why hasn't it been revealed? It could be that we've been too busy. It could be that we haven't parked long enough to listen. Now, I know I'm preaching a little better now. Somebody, somebody help the brother right now. In Proverbs 14, in verse 15, notice this with me in the Amplified Version. It says this. The simpleton believes every word he hears, but the prudent man, that's you, right? The prudent man looks and considers well where he is going. So pray and plan. Here's the fourth one, prune. Prune your life by consolidating and eliminating. Cut some things out of your life. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, 1. Let's look at that real quick. Pruning and cutting certain things out of your life requires courage. It requires grace. It requires wisdom. Because when you prune, you know, when gardeners prune trees and plants, they do it for greater productivity. They do it for the health of the plant. For the plant's own benefit and for the future. And when they prune, they're not just pruning off dead wood. They're pruning off certain things out of there that are alive. And there are some good things that God may require you to get rid of. Listen, friends, everything is permissible. But not everything is beneficial. Ask yourself, what is it that's going to advance the cause of Christ in my life? What is it that's going to make me be a better father, a better dad, a better Christian? There's nothing wrong with going fishing, but you don't need to do it on Sunday. Gee, I just, I just lost everybody right there. <laughs> Hebrews 12.1. <laughs> Hebrews 12.1. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, unnecessary weight, and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Look up here right now. God wants to do some new things in you. I believe we're entering into a new season as a church. Amen. I believe we're going to float right in and flow right into the double. I believe that with all of my heart. But some of you are doing some things that you didn't do a year ago. You added them on. God didn't. They're not necessarily bad. They're okay. But I got a question for you. What have you cut off recently? What have you pruned back? See, in our lives, and I've had to learn to say this more than I care to. But in our lives, we all need to say the word no. We must learn to say no more than we say yes. And you know what? It's not easy to say no. I mean, I can say no to a root canal. You know, if my dentist calls me today and say, 
Hey, Mark, come on over. Let's have a couple root canals. I need some practice. No! Or the IRS call you on the phone and say, Hey, it's time to audit you again. No! See, we can't do everything, can we? So we've got to determine what is the right thing. What do you want me to do with my time, my energy, and my money? So you can tell what a person's priorities are simply by looking at their checking account. Is that right? So then if we want an effective life, we can summarize it up like this in one word. Selection. Selection. Selection is the key to an effective life. It's like a friend of ours says, be more selective and you'll be more effective. Say this with me. Be more selective and I will be more effective. So then when we prune properly, what happens? It causes growth. It causes increase in our life. We don't want to get overcrowded by the Martha syndrome. Turn quickly to Luke chapter 10. This is not a long message today, but this is a message that's going to help you. If you'll just take these principles, you're going to need them this week. You're going to need them at year end when you maybe have some sailor time to determine your priorities and your principles. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38, he says, Now it came to pass as they went. Then he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house, speaking to Jesus. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. In the Amplified, it says Martha was overly occupied and she was too busy. Everyone says she was too busy. And she was distracted with much serving. And of course, in verse 41, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. This was not just one area that was troubling her and causing her to not come to the feet of the Master. But the Master said, there's many things that you're overly busy about. But notice in verse 42, read it with me. But one thing, ever say one thing. The master said, one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part. And here's what he said, it won't be taken away from her. I want to say to you by the word of the Lord today, that if you will choose the good part, which is seeking first the kingdom of God and sitting at Jesus' feet and getting your priorities and your principles correctly in order, it will not be taken away from you. Your life will grow, your life will flourish, and you will be growing in the courts of your God. Amen. And then finally, now that we need to pray, but also we need to protect. Everyone say protect. What does this mean? This means protect your time and protect your energy. You are a steward over your physical body. Did you know that? You're not your own. You cannot just go 100 miles an hour every day of your life and expect the Lord, your healer, to touch you when you know that you should stop and rest. Listen, friends, there is the principle of the Sabbath. And I believe that those who really believe and trust God, 
Not only do they know how to pray fervently, not only know they know how to serve diligently, but they know how to rest well as well. They which believe. Are you a believer? They enter into what the Bible calls rest. And in resting, there's refreshment. See, on Sunday afternoon, you ought to take yourself a Holy Ghost nap. Get yourself a nice meal, whatever you might be eating afterwards. Go home, take a nice nap, get up, read the word a little bit, and get ready to come to the banqueto. (laughs) See, Jesus, he exemplified for us the Sabbath rest. What did he do? He went to a desert place. He saw that his disciples were busy. He himself was busy. The Bible says he went to a desert place. He says, come apart now and rest a while. You notice something about Jesus that he mixed rest in very well with prayer. He would pray and he would rest. Listen, friends, he didn't heal everybody. He ministered to the multitudes. But in his own hometown, he could there do no mighty work. But you won't find him stressing over it. He says, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father say. I'm hearing from him. And isn't that enough? Isn't it enough for you and me, really, to become just like him? He absolutely paid the price for all to be saved and for all to be healed. And all you and I have to do is enter into his rest, enjoy life, have and enjoy his very best. Oh, glory to God. Preserve your time. Preserve your energy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. One of the greatest influencers in my life is Dad Hagen. He still is. Dad Hagen's in heaven, but he's still my spiritual father. My heavenly father is my father. But Dad Hagen is my spiritual father. And I'm telling you, what an example of rolling your cares over on God he was. He had walked through that campus twiddling the sums, praying in the spirit, rejoicing in the Lord on the inside. And he told young ministers, he says, I always take a nap in the afternoon between services. He says, I don't go out and see everybody and visit everybody. But he says, I enter into rest in the afternoon. And I let God rejuvenate me and quicken me. And I wake up and I meditate. And then I go out at night and I'm a blessing to people. Now, if that works for a preacher, that's going to work for you. Someone says, well, I just can't find time in my schedule. Hello? This is what I'm preaching to you about. Find time. Make the time. See, people have time to be at a doctor's office four and five times a week. But they don't have time to read the Word. People have time to go to all sorts of ball games and do all sorts of things. And I like ball games just as much as anyone else does but not at the expense of my relationship with God. Are you listening to me? I am enjoying life. You should enjoy life. But you know on the compass on the inside when you're getting out of balance. And so I'm saying to you today, get yourself some rest.
and preserve your energy. And here are some of the benefits as I close this morning. Before we prepare our hearts to sow our seed, here are just a few of the benefits for acting on what I'm preaching to you today. And I'll tell you what, the Bible is full of benefits. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not, come on, all his benefits. See, the wrong mindset is there's never enough time. That there's too much to do. The responsibilities are too much. And all these circumstances are keeping me out of balance. But the right mindset is this. God's going to provide. Say it with me. God will provide. All the time. All the energy that I need. Here's some benefits of margin. Number one, you'll have more peace of mind in your life. You're not hurrying and worrying all the time. You'll have time to stop, to think, to relax, to enjoy, and yes, smell the roses. Or the espresso, whatever it might be. (laughs) Secondly, you'll have better health. The truth is this, is your body needs downtime in order to heal. Thirdly, this is a good one, you'll have stronger relationships. Your relationship with the master will be better Do you find yourself finishing other people's sentences before they're done? Got a word for you. Slow down. Take time to listen to your friends, to your mate. And then lastly, it will provide time for you to be used of God. You'll have more time to be available to Him and for Him to use you in this world. The truth is this, is when we're overloaded, when we've got too much to do, we can only think of ourselves. But when you and I have margin in our life, we'll be available for God to use us. Is that all right today? All right. Let's raise our hands. Let's raise our hands and say it with me. I receive with meekness this engrafted word and it saves my soul. And makes me whole. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now declare this with me. I'm a doer. Not just a hearer. I am a doer. A doer of the word of God. Amen. Amen. Amen.